You burn when you dance. Yeah, you said I couldn't. Well, you gotta hold some of it in. And you got some shit to learn, dancing ain't fucking. What's that? More wisdom? I know that. No, you don't. You dance like when you fucked that guy last night. What guy? That guy with the chick. You took him in the back. I didn't fuck him. <laughs> yeah, you did. You fucked him and her. Are you following me around? I didn't fuck anybody. But I, was I saw you. Man, everybody got AIDS and shit. You know, what is it that you think you do? You fuck them without fucking them. That's what you do. Well, it ain't right. You got too much talent for it to be right. Get out of here! Bitch, I'm telling you the truth. You want me to go? I'm out of here. Episode 53 of the Cult of Matt and Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And uh, make sure to visit us at our website at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com and shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. Show news? Do we have any show news? Uh, I don't have any show news, no. Did we get any comments on the website? Uh, we did get a comment from our friend Aaron Connell about our review of Brick. You can go to the website and read that. Oh, uh, an older, uh, an older comment on an older podcast. Yeah, and he had. I was on the Donnie Darko uh, post, and he had some recommendations in there. Uh, stuff we've already had in the hopper, but uh, we'll uh, take a look at it and digest the choice and uh, place it appropriately in our queue for future podcasts. There was no interested male listeners last week that were looking for a, a relationship on the DL. You know, that was I, to me that was one of our better podcasts. I quite enjoyed that one. Uh, it was well, we were more argumentative. I was I was sort of jerking your chain a little bit. You were, and I think I even tried to get you to confess to that. And you still well, it was it. I was jerking it with honesty, which is the best way to jerk. <laughs> jerk. Speaking of jerking it, let's talk about our movie this week. Uh, this week is the 1995 camp classic, Showgirls, directed by camp auteur Paul Verhoeven and written by uh, Joe Esterhaus. Esterhaus? Esterhaus. It's German. Uh, no, yeah, Hungarian. a couple of German guys. Oh, is he, is he Hungarian? Yeah, no, Verhoeven is Dutch and Esterhaus oh, is uh, Hungarian. So both of them are... Uh, European, not American, which... Well, cat- I'm certainly more familiar with Verhoeven, and I've heard of Esterhaus, probably because he wrote Basic Instinct, right? Directed also by Paul Verhoeven, so... Oh, yes. oh, it was, okay. Yeah. Verhoeven has some great films that I've really enjoyed. I think, of all the films I've seen of his, this is probably the one I've enjoyed the least. Wow. Well, well, well okay. I mean, you got Robocop, yeah, you got Starship Troopers, and you got Basic Instinct. Uh, Hollow yeah. Man, I, I enjoyed Showgirls more than Hollow Man. I'm gonna. Well, I guess you're right. Hollow Man was pretty bad. Both had terrible rape scenes in them, but I think overall Hollow Man was worse. Yeah, and I didn't enjoy seeing Kevin Bacon's CGI'd uh, skinless uh, uh, junk. Yeah, no, that wasn't. <laughs> That wasn't, that wasn't very Boy, exciting. I have some very dim recollections of that movie. I, don't <laughs> I only saw once. Recalling it positively. Yeah. All right. Let me get into the plot rundown here, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I'm going to dance. 
Nomi Malone, played by Elizabeth Berkley, insists in the opening scenes of Showgirls. And dance she does in this quasi-update of All About Eve. Nomi is a drifter whose sole ambition is to headline the goddess topless dance show at the Stardust in Las Vegas. Of course, even Nomi must pay her dues, and she does so at the Cheetah, grinding poles and lamp dancing her way to a future. Uh, Fortunately, her roommate Molly works at the Stardust and invites Nomi to see the show, where she meets Crystal Connors, played by Gina Gershon in the Betty Davis role. uh, This is the reference to All About Eve. Uh, with whom she immediately forms a love-hate relationship. Nomi soon learns that she must do what she must do to get ahead, and the rest of the film documents her cat-like crawl up the showgirl ladder of success. Directed by Paul Verhoeven of Robocop, Basic Instinct, and Total Recall fame, Showgirls was conceived as the first big-budget adult film since 1977's Caligula, and the first such production to wear the NC-17 rating. Its failure at the box office discouraged further attempts at large-scale adult productions. Uh, there you got it in a nutshell. So two, that really raises two questions. First, All About Eve, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with that film. Is that, uh, is that, is that a reference that you understand? No, it's, uh, well, it's, uh, it, in some of the more positive recent reviews of Showgirls, you know how we get those kind of 10 years on reviews, um, it's been referenced. And it's a, it, All About Eve was a 1950 film uh, based on the story The Wisdom of Eve by Mary Orr. All About Eve is an elegantly bitchy backstory revolving around aspiring actress Eve Harrington, played by Ann Baxter. Tattered and forlorn, Eve shows up in the dressing room of Broadway megastar Margot Channing, played by Betty Davis, weaving a melancholy life story to Margot and her friends. So uh, taking pity on the girl, Margot takes Eve as her personal assistant, blah, blah, blah. So it's it's kind of the same uh, story. story without, without the tits. Yeah. And, All right. Well, uh, it sounds like not something I really necessarily need to watch, though. Maybe the performances are good uh, as opposed to showgirls. No, and it won several Academy Awards, including Best Picture, which uh, Showgirls did not. Okay, your uh, summary brings another question. How could you really classify this as an adult production? There's no explicit sex at any point, and there's barely any genital shots, no male genitals for that matter. You like how, word- how, how how could this re- I don't even see how this got classified as an NC-17. I mean, it, it seems like total Skinamax style uh, weird play acting sex scenes and some gyrating hips and slight flashes of crotch. Uh, yeah, no, it's not sexy or sexual or anything because uh, the sex is depicted, I guess, uh, striptease like. Yeah, I had a tough time finding this movie arousing. Any no, it's point. not arousing at I all. Kept, I kept thinking about over at the Cheetah, you know, what those d- poles must, oh, with the, like the the human oils that have sort of gone rancid all over them. And just imagine those seats. <laughs> what are you talking about? Human oils that have gone rancid. What's that? Well, mean? you, you smell coins, right? They got the human oh, the oil. Yeah. Oil can just go bad. And you know, a coin smell. They just smell disgusting. Is that what like I'm smelling when I smell like an old quarter? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a mix of the acidic human oils and the, the metals coming out into solution. Oh, or like disgusting. the seats back in the private dancing area. Oh God, could you imagine sitting on those things? I'd have to burn my trousers afterwards. This and this really was gross. And this was in the days before Febreze was invented. So it's got to be pretty bad. Could you imagine coming in your pants? What a fucking disaster! <laughs> Who wants well, to be was, out in public with the your underwear full of jizz? It looked like you pissed yourself. Well, Zach was wearing black slacks, so you know you can do some wonders there. I guess camouflage. you don't want to wear baby blue slacks. 
And if I you're understand. wearing like Fair a enough. nice, uh, you know, nice sports coat, you can it'll drop down there to the the jizz you, region. You know, it's so so quickly. Have I forgotten my Boy Scouts training? Of always be prepared. Uh, next time I go to a strip club, I'll have go. to remember that. Maybe right. some uh, maybe some of those thin depends. You know, the, with the absorbent coating. But then you can't feel uh, the chick's oh. grinding ass through she, the pants you're right. as well. Yeah. I don't know. No yeah, I guess it's a no-win situation. No situation. <laughs> you lose some money and you don't come. Uh, all right. So so uh, is it an adult production? Um, well. Uh, and Is it? I don't see how you really can compare it to Caligula. I mean, Caligula no. had actual sex scenes in it that were very occasionally arousing. This movie had one mildly arousing scene at, at Let me this. let me try to guess. Let me try to guess what the mildly arousing scene was. Uh Wow. Look at me. I think I'm I'm bereft of uh I'm not going to say the fish fucking scene in the pool cuz that was a fish <laughs> that was just hilarious. Yeah. Um what was the arousing scene? Uh it was when uh, Nomi was over at James place, the guy with the the dreads and the uh the dancing guy, oh, the black guy, yeah, yeah. and they were sort of uh, practicing his private dancer. And it actually got a little titillating there when they were kissing. Uh, and and when uh, he put his hand down her pants and all that good stuff. I thought that he was going to go get his red wings, but I guess he decided not to. Yeah, that was a little off color. I mean, for a movie that's completely off color, that one that one little scene was a little bit uh, That was your distasteful moment of the film? No, 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 I'm just kidding. That was the part that, you know, they really went over the edge on this one. It was okay beating <laughs> that chick up and uh, raping her, but come on, man. Nobody has sex when somebody's on the rag. That's just, that's beyond the pale. Oh, my God. That okay. was slightly sexy. And the rest of the sex was just was terrible. I don't I I found I found the crying uh, game more arousing than this I, I, movie. I think needless to say, I and and that gets to the heart of this film and there's so much that I I want to kind of get into about showgirls that I don't almost know where to start. But um well, okay, for starters this 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 I do you remember when you saw Showgirls first? Uh I think oh, I think I just caught it sort of lackadaisically on video at one point. Okay. This is the first time I really sat down and watched the whole thing. It's the first time I ever remember paying attention to the plot oh, which okay. consists of the last 20 minutes of the film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's it, it's a plot So I guess so, if I had well, to say the first time I watched this movie it was probably this week. Wow. That I really wa- I really watched it. Well, uh the Joker on this end of the mic actually was in the theaters for uh, the show Girls back in 1995. Who was uh, that crowd? Just uh, some of the college buds? This was Seahome uh, Theater uh, mm-hmm. in Bellingham. And Seahome Theater was sort of the, it's kind of like a triplex, and they showed some Miramax stuff. And that's where I first saw Pulp Fiction and things. Uh, so they showed show Girls, and it was walking distance from where our apartment was. And so it was me... Uh, mm-hmm. Will Budge, mm-hmm. uh, I believe Ben Ekblah, mm. um, and I think Matt Swenson, because he was a little bit of a, you know, he, he, was, he, he was kind of into the, he was a little bit of a perv. And uh, Travis Dunn. Go Pats! And uh, we left the theater, and, uh, you know, you're a cop. Well, you're a college kid, and so you're critical of everything, right? You're just kind of a hipster critical. Now, was this an R cut of the movie, or was this... No. Was this and basically the DVD cut NC-17? DVD cut NC-17. Okay. Uh, and um, I remember some of the initial comments leaving the theater. Nobody – I mean, I I didn't – it was weird because – well, for starters, 
everybody of that era had grown up on Saved by the Bell. So, uh, you know, which was a Saturday morning sitcom starring Elizabeth Berkley, um, Tiffany Amberthiesen, oh. uh, and the dudes. Who are the dudes? There was uh, Marco... What's the, what's the guys? I forget their names. I, I forgot. What was the like the Latino slash yeah, black guy? guy. Yeah. yeah, he uh he does some he does you know some spots. He's a he's a pretty man, I guess you could say. I'm too Ladies lazy to like click him. on all that shit. So I'm not uh, going to bother. Yeah, I, I forgot there was this whole fascination with seeing Elizabeth Berkeley's snatch. Right, I guess and, was the basic thing. And she has a wonderful body. You know, she's like a six footer. Is she tall girl? And and uh, and lovely breasts. I mean, I have to agree that. Uh, which you see very, very uh, impressive. one sixth of the time throughout the movie. I read that somewhere that, that she oh, is, really? uh, that her top, the one sixth of the time she's on screen, her top is off or she's partially naked or fully naked or something to that effect. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a bit of topless nudity in here. Uh, there's a uh, one part where uh, uh, the producer oh. talks about her breasts or listen to this. OK, drop it in. I'm erect. Why are you erect? <laughs> during her wow. initial uh, during her initial uh tryout for the uh goddess that the, was uh, the humiliating ice cube scene where at the stardust yeah that's where she has a she has another outburst of her anger problems <laughs> she's a little bit of an anger management issue there she's yeah. nuts she's uh, a bit nuts and you uh don't learn much about her until the very end of the film or uh yeah. her kind of st- scant but troubled backstory falls into place yeah i like how at the end of the film kyle mclaughlin's character uh, zach is absolutely outraged that she's uh <laughs> she has a record for prostitution and god forbid uh possession of cocaine uh which he snorts like, on a, which he has a bowl of next to his bed <laughs> she's a, you've been a bad girl possessing <laughs> drugs and selling your body how dare you well wasn't she like a prostitute prostitute in cheyenne wyoming wasn't well, she was roaming locale? around the country you know as a 20 year old selling her body to get by yeah a hooker in cheyenne you and i have both been to that town that's uh that'd be a rough place to be uh to be i might uh, dig into the wall and pull out a hundred bucks uh even in cheyenne yeah uh anyway um uh, a little bit more about Say by the Bell. Uh, one of her co-stars was uh, Dustin Diamond. Do you remember Dustin Diamond? Oh yeah, good old Dustin Diamond. Which you you have an ex- you had a run in with him at one point. I did. Right? Uh, I was down at Disneyland in shit. I guess I want to say maybe close to when this movie came out. I want to say like ninety five, ninety six. And I was waiting in line with some friends at uh, Splash Mountain. And uh, there was, like, a collection of, oh, I want to say latter teenage girls, like 18, 19-year-old girls, kind of, like, around somebody in line. And I was like, why does it kind of get that somebody's famous vibe, you know? Cause if somebody it was- has a natural uh, animal magnetism there in the center <laughs> right. of the crowd, right? And I was looking around, and there was this dude, and he had a, kind of like one of those floppy... Uh, a flat caps on kind of like a pimp flat cap, you know, with the quilted top on it. And, uh, 
I, looking at him with without his hair, I was like, he kind of looked like Perry Farrell at Jane's Addiction. But the dude he was with was some kind of nerdy dude. And I was like, okay, that's not Perry Farrell. But he had like the chin and nose or something that was with him. And then I realized it was fucking Dustin Diamond lining up for uh, Splash Mountain. And so I was I was elbowing the people with that I was with. And I was like, holy shit, it's Dustin Diamond from Saved by the Bell. And they I'm going to get him to sign my ass. Yes, <laughs> sign my Johnson. <laughs> and anyway, they looked at me like I, I was like fucking the, from the fucking moon. They was like, "Who? What? What are you talking about?" And I was like, "Dustin Diamond, Say by the Bell." And they're like, "Eh, no, no clue." I felt, he's right up there with Ur- Urkel caliber acting. Yeah, well, he had that uh, prepubescent crescendo, uh, or that prepubescent glitch to his voice every now and then. He would uh, when he would get oh, excited. Yeah. yeah, it would get up there. And He'd have his up. voice break. But, you know, watching that through high school, yeah, you start to develop a little bit of a thing for Elizabeth Berkeley and uh, the other gal, Tiffany, whatever, three names. Uh, Tiffany the Amethyst black and, one or the No, uh, I don't know what the brunette. black I forget what the black one's name was. Totally forget what her name was. Yeah. No, well, I have to say Elizabeth Berkeley was the most attractive woman on that show. She was. And so when she was going to be starring in a NC-17 rated movie uh, with the poster basically of like a sliver of her naked from neck to toe, we were like, well, shit, I guess I'm in on this one. So uh, off we went to see uh, Showgirls. I think that was probably a really great casting idea, and it probably, considering the quality of the film, probably ended up making a lot more money than it would have otherwise. Well, it was just from the sheer spectacle. It's like, like watching, you know, some was that Paris Hilton's sex video. It's sort of a voyeuristic thing, exactly. More right. than a film experience. And this movie was before uh, high speed internet and uh, the reality TV culture, so. Uh, you know, things weren't like you can go find any trashy celebrity on the web naked now. And it's, uh, you know, it's just a matter of uh, spending 30 seconds to do it on the on the web, which most of us sadly are too lazy to do. But, you know, when it came to this sort of conventional uh, media culture of the, the 90s where you had to go to movies and, uh, you know, read magazines. Or you, had to go, or you had to go up to Johnny Extremes to rent it later. Exactly. Then, you know, this kind of thing was, uh, it was a little bit of taboo. You know, it was a little, it's like, ooh, I get to see, uh, you know, the Saturday morning sitcom actor naked. I'm in. So Yeah, and I, see, with these days, I was able to distill the movie's voyeuristic element down to a single two-frame gift that I emailed to you. Yeah, you know, I, I, I the version of uh, film I watched had that clipped. It did not. Uh, oh, yeah, it's only on the Blu-ray version. They have a, they took the film and they took a, slightly larger uh when she's do, when she's shot. doing the beat down of the rapist oh god that is just such a creepy scene that guy that uh he he's an actor but uh the oh, what's his name andrew carver uh yeah that's how he plays in the william shockley i'm not really familiar with him I guess i'm not either but stuff. uh he reminded me of like the sixth eagle of the band the eagles like don felder of the eagles the the most talented but least recognized of the eagles you know, mm. so I was like, wow, that guy's a pop star. But, uh, you know, this is the world of uh, showgirls. So you're just kind of. Uh, well, it's Vegas acts. So, uh, OK, so uh, I'm just going to ask you, um, what did you think of the movie? I mean, how would you how would you frame this film? How would I frame it? I mean, basically, what tagline would I give it? No, not what tagline, but 
is it okay for starters was it, it an enjoyable film to watch for you it was not a terribly enjoyable film to watch it was a bit of a slog uh the movie was takes, that maybe has, due to its runtime if it was shorter? yeah it takes a long time to get going i mean i think this movie could have been easily been a 90 minute and i think would have been a better scene there's just there's just a lot of duplication uh they set up character elements that like the anger of uh, Nomi. Of Nomi. They show it to you like three times. Yeah, I got it. She's got an anger problem. <laughs> yeah. You know? She's a bit of a reactionary, this one. She has she's has a background she's running from. Yeah, I know. I got the last time you showed me that she was hiding her background. Um, uh, yeah, you really like these sets and these dances. I, I don't need to see the volcano dance a third <laughs> fucking time. um the last 20 minutes oh this is the big conflict that's going to end the movie and cause a change in nomi's life having her best friend gang raped by well freak that's the big that's the big payoff at the end no 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 okay all right okay so it it just was it was a the movie was a mess uh the the dialogue was terribly written and performed i picked probably one of the worst bits of dialogue between two characters to open this program people have got aids and shit and this movie's got aids and shit (laughs) all right well uh i am gonna propose a few uh hypotheses to you and i want to see why this movie exists in the form it does no, no, no. I, 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 okay. So it's campy. The dialogue is uh, terrible. Uh, but was it intended to be that way? See, to me, I have to view this movie through the lens of Paul Verhoeven's canon, which uh, is our movies that you know benefit from a different screenwriter, but are overtly satirical, and so. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's possible. It's well, because I mean, I've been reading a, a, quite a bit of, I, I guess you'd call them positive reviews about showgirls, um, kind of viewed through the lens of time. And it actually being worth, I mean, it, it not being kind of a throwaway trashy movie and forgettable because it's stuck around. And I think part of that is because Paul Verhoeven is at his heart like a camp auteur and works with works in satire in a way that's that's fairly clandestine. Uh, it sneaks mm. up on you. Um, it certainly does. This is this is no Tarantino camp. No, and Tarantino loved this movie. Smacks say, you around the face, Tarantino. He does the same thing, but I guess maybe it's more out in the open. And I see what you're saying, and I think maybe I hadn't taken the time to appreciate it on that level. I guess I did appreciate it in sort of a cringing, laughing way. And maybe, right. is that how you're supposed to appreciate it? Well, that's it? satire, right? I mean, you just described yeah. a reaction to satire. Maybe that's why I enjoy, I didn't, I can't say I didn't enjoy the film. I enjoyed the film with a head shake, like when <laughs> yeah. uh, during the pool sex scene. Oh, Where yeah. after Kyle McLaughlin orgasms, he puts Elizabeth Berkeley's face under the, under the yeah, she, yeah, <laughs> the to, hilarious to get to get, to get, oh, to, to get like a, a submersed the, the spitting dolphin to get like some sort of weird extreme cum scene facial <laughs> uh, with the with the uh, real palm trees with uh, neon palm trees in the foreground behind the infinity pool. Yeah, that's awesome. I was, well, and, and that's just nuts. And the other thing is, they were drinking Cristal Champagne, which uh, is the name of the Gina Gershon character, uh, Cristal or Crystal. And yeah. she, she makes a point of referencing that in that 
really awkward dog food conversation scene there at Caesar's mm. Palace. But yeah. uh, back to sort of the satire thing. Uh, well, you mentioned Tarantino. Tarantino thinks this is one of the greatest uh, high-budget exploitation movies ever. Like the fact that it got the budget it did. Uh, there are so few exploitation movies, at least back in the 90s, that he actually appreciated it at that level. That uh, it was a high production uh, exploitation film, you know, f- similar to what the seventies, uh, you know, seventies grindhouse films are. I kind of agree with that. But then there's yeah, the- I, I guess uh, exploitations never really sat with me really well, and I, it's something I need to learn to appreciate. I got an exploitation film uh, lined up for a future podcast. I'll, I'll tell you about it later. Well, and exploitation uh, to me has always been a little bit hard to describe. I, I don't know exactly. I guess it's like you know it when you see it. Uh, well, I mean, what? what okay, I understand. There's a few scenes of clunky dialogue and few scenes, bad, kind of a back, of bad acting, and I guess you can enjoy it on that scene. Sort of. Uh, have you ever seen uh, the Tim and Eric show? Yeah. Well, that's you, surreal absurdity, is what that show is. Yeah, but I guess is that what you're appreciating? The mild absurdity of these? No. Um, it's, well, like I was going, like I was trying to say, exploitation sort of defi- defies uh, a pure definition. Like, you know it when you see it. And I guess the easiest way, at least for me, to define exploitation is uh, kind of a guilty pleasure. Um, not a lot of meat on the bones, sort of substance-free, but yet enjoyable, um, pulpy, you know, that's that's a pretty easy uh, descriptive term like uh, a horror movie exploitation. Like, uh, did you ever see the recent uh, human centipede? Uh, no, I never saw that. I it, would it didn't say seem that, like it would be. I guess the thing in my horror and in my, I guess, exploitation, I guess I'm looking for some funniness. And I didn't seem like a human centipede here. would be very funny. This oh, movie okay. had that. Yeah, I'm just trying to... You're talking about appreciating exploitation movies. And it's something I certainly want to try and expose myself to more exploitation films and see if I can understand it. But it seems like I'm just really... The only thing I really appreciate from this film is its campiness. Well, And I can see where it's intentional. I can see where I enjoy that. But I guess I'm not sure what else I'm supposed to enjoy. I'm not, a, I'm not a, above learning to enjoy the genre. I certainly would like to work that way. I'm not going to dismiss it. I just, I guess maybe I just don't have the skills to appreciate the film as much as maybe you or some other people like uh, Quarantino do. Well, I, 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 Tarantino is sort of an anomaly of why this film is appreciated. It's not really the, 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 I guess, it's more the satirical element of Showgirls that is, and I'd say because it skirts the line like Verhoeven tends to do, where you're watching something and you're kind of enjoying it for what it is, but there's this underlying current of satire there. Like, uh, I think probably the easiest example is Starship Troopers, which is an amazing satire. Uh, it's I, And I don't know if it drifts. Uh, I, I really appreciated that element in Starship Troopers. and I thought its pacing was better. Maybe one reason I enjoyed it more. Well, those could be technical details, but like with Starship Troopers, and I haven't read the Heinlein original, but, you know, its satire is sort of war propaganda where your enemy 
isn't figuratively an insect, but literally an insect, and then all that goes along with that. And so the mentality, kind of that almost uh, pre-Wilsonian propaganda or mentality that people had towards war as being adventure and, um, you know, a noble thing. Uh, you get that and, and how it sort of resonates into uh, our current propaganda machine when it comes to fighting battles and things like that or fighting wars overseas. Uh, there's a ton of satire in Starship Troopers. It's a lot more camouflaged in Showgirls, but it is there. And it's more like uh, our sa- a satire about how we deal with sexuality as a no. as a. When, what is what is it satirizing? Because there's not a lot of sexuality in this film, like you pointed oh, out. Oh, yeah, it's it's well, it's <laughs> it's a weird idea that I think some people have about sexuality of the sort of yeah, like when you're twelve or thirteen. You know? Well, then what is it satiring? What I mean, what is it making fun of? Bad movies? No, it's well, it's the 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 heart of it is is sort of a satire of. I guess it's uh, inspiration, which is all about Eve. And it's more generic than that. And like I mentioned before, Paul Verhoeven and uh, his screenwriter not being American, it's a satire of sort of a star is born, young girl makes it big, um, satire of kind of the American dream. Oh, Uh, the self-made person. Well, The the ability to... Through your own uh, own merits to gain uh, wealth and fame. Yeah, your own chitspa and spunk. To, Whatever to, it takes, you're going to get to the top, damn everyone else sort of r- attitude. Right. Of America. And, you know, all right. this one's all about, like, who... And this one satirizes that, or this film satirizes that by basically watering it down to who you're fucking. And, you know, there's really... How, well, I mean, that's the main tool Nomi has is her body, and she uses it. It doesn't seem satirical to me. I think a lot of young women do that. Yeah, but it sort of punches in the nose the whole aspect of, uh, I guess, the the more G-rated uh, notions that uh, Americans have about being a star and making it big in Hollywood. And the fact that it takes place in Vegas which is like one of the most artificial uh, facades of America. I've talked about my opinions of Vegas plenty of times. (laughs) I think it's a real (laughs) shithole. What is it with Vegas? Look, if if you don't enjoy gambling, it's a fucking worthless place to go to. It's strange because Brits are fascinated with Las Vegas. Uh, I've met. I mean, it's fine. I guess you can wander around wide-eyed like you do in Times Square. It's about a, it's got a similar feel to it. It's different. Uh, I run into like you, you go to Vegas and there's like a ton of Brits there for some reason. And it's like going to it's like going to a bigger version of your local carnival. I think it's something more than that. It's purely American, I would say, that you don't get a city anywhere else in the world that even approaches what las vegas is i can't even think of one i guess there's dubai in the middle east but i think that they don't have as much of a sense of humor about what they're doing there i think vegas is uh it's going to be a weird archaeological dig in about a thousand years is all i got to say about las vegas um it's just a uh it's a paradox and uh you know and i think that's why this film was set there as opposed to Hollywood 
because Hollywood, you know, is it's the whole uh, casting couch. Mm, yeah, we're all but that's, I guess that's another funny thing about this movie is how it ends. It starts with her a few hundred miles away from Vegas looking to be a star, and it ends with her a few hundred miles away from Los Angeles in the same right. truck, in the very same truck going to be a star. You can just see the cycle of this process. She's going to go make it big in L.A. now. Right, and so that's why this I mean, film- that's, that's a real poetic element of the film. And, I mean, there is sort of the cycle nature to it. I mean, there's that element with her climbing in the same truck, heading a, a few hundred miles to the next place she's going to make it big. And there's also the issue of that mirrored scene where she's uh, being introduced as the star of Goddess at the Stardust. <laughs> and basically the exact same dialogue is performed over again, except it's Nomi uh, in the place of... Um, Crystal Connors. Crystal exactly it's 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 a little fascinating a sort of cyclical nature to it and i guess it's sort of i don't know i guess it's commenting on the as one rises another falls well the hilarious thing is this that uh, fucking press there for a new dancer at some shitty topless show in vegas i mean that, see that's right there is campy and satirical. oh well it's just the i mean but people have those sort of press release of the vapid no. nothingness Fuck, no nobody gives a shit Nobody cares. Come on. Well, it's, you know, it, was probably, it was probably just a throw-off party, and that camera was from the Vegas channel that they fucking have on your TV whenever you turn it on in your hotel room. Uh, They're going to make a little okay. fluff piece for uh, what you can do on the strip. I mean, there wasn't a ton of cameras. There was one cameraman and one microphone. It wasn't like everybody from the uh, southwest United States was coming in to see who was going to headline Goddess next. Hey, man, those Texans there uh, gunning for a signature were all about Goddess and Crystal Connors. Do you remember that scene? That's what I'm saying. Some guys really love that shit. No. That was was farcical. That was... was, Really? uh, Oh, come on. People pack those places. You're telling me people don't appreciate that crap? You know, it comes down to one issue I have is... Why do some people fucking love dancing for some reason? What is it about dancing this movie is that gets people going? <laughs> I mean, I, I've worked with people who they really love dance. And there must be something about dancing now. I'm not equating artistic dancing with uh, with like stripping. Or, and certainly I'm not equating it with a topless review. But there certainly is some. I guess I can appreciate the athleticism and the beauty of the human <laughs> form. But some people just fucking love yeah. the art of dance. And i just never quite gotten it. I'm, do you appreciate dance at all? Uh, I don't really have an opinion on dance. I, I I have an opinion on most things, but um, dancing as uh like choreography and um, fuck it. I I could I guess I could just it's one of those things I could just give a shit about. I don't yeah. give a shit about. People get really passionate about it. I guess it's just an art form that doesn't resonate for me. Well, I, I guess I can't really be a judge of it, but I, people do love dancing. I would say Showgirls is much about dancing as it is about sex. So I think. Well, I, I think, I think you're right, uh, but in a different sense. I mean, we we went to a topless review somewhere. Yeah, we, it was, was the Tropicana. That? I forget what it was. It's called. the Tropicana, and it was some dancing show. It, it was wasn't terrible. Th- it wasn't as good as this one. This one was a lot more athletic, sort of like a low rent Cirque du Soleil. Right. And um, I mean, the place fills up, and who's there? I think it's. I think the thing is that it's just sexy enough to get the guys to come in. Yeah. And it's just artistic enough to get their wives to come. It's sort yeah. of the perfect middle place. It's sort of a low energy well where it draws people from both sides. The people who want to see the art and the people who want to see the tits. Yeah. And it just it 
cups both of those groups. I think that maybe that's why Topless Review is so popular. It's a weird it has like it, both of those elements to it. It's so like in a, a way, weird, it is about dance and it is about sex. Well, it's a weird extrapola- extrapolation of burlesque. You know, it's uh, except for burlesque, I'd say, and I don't know much about burlesque, but it's a. Um, it's like an artistic interpretation of, uh, you know, the striptease and all that kind of stuff. I well, I, the idea of the striptease is pretty interesting. Um, I guess if I had to go see a striptease, I'd probably want to go see maybe a burlesque type show. Just because it'd be more fun. It'd be more of a social activity. It'd be less about uh, yeah. becoming erect. It'd just be more of <laughs> more of playing fun socially with the idea of sexuality. Like when you maybe have a conversation with a group of friends about sex. Have you uh, have you been to a strip club ever? Uh, I went up to a strip club. I think, God, I only think I've been once to a real strip club. Yeah, up in Vancouver. So it just have I. Uh, it doesn't uh, strike me as I don't know. I guess maybe if I had a bunch of money to spend on lap dances, it might be fun. But it never seemed like the good value for your dollar. Well, I, I went up once. I've I've been to strip. I've been to two strip clubs on the same night once, and it was up in Vancouver, and. Uh, it was like you get in there, and if you've never been to a strip club before, um, you're like, oh, hey, naked ladies. And, uh, you know, it gets your engines going. But then in about five minutes, boredom set in for me. Like it was just a the novelty wears off extremely quickly, and you're just left with like a weird sort of boredom. And I think it's like, well, I guess I can't whack off here in public. And... Uh, I'm, you know, not sleeping with that person naked up on stage. So you're just kind of left in this sort of, uh, eddy of sexual frustration and then it just wears off and you just want to get the fuck out of there. At least that was kind of the, I mean, uh, I understand if you're sexually inexperienced and you don't have access to pornography, it might be fascinating from the strictly, uh, well, let's check this out sort of standpoint. But without that, I guess... Maybe just some guys are wired for it because people well, go to these places. People go to strip bars. I think like there's like some people. Some people get off on it. Yeah, there's like there's some club, pleasure that people get out of it. I don't know what it is. Exactly. There's like strip club addicts. Like I used to work with a dude way back when, and man, he he go to strip clubs like once a week. You know. Oh, well, and that's, I, that seems like he's a he's a functioning strip club aholic. <laughs> he's not going know. there every night. I when mean, I, when I mean, I, think if, of, I guess uh, if you enjoy it, I guess, and you're not spending more money than you can then i guess who cares huh when i think of strip clubs i think of like frat boys marines and the japanese businessmen we see in the cheetah and that one scene i mean i can understand maybe the connection with prostitution like you can pay somebody to give you a blowjob or something or maybe you could take them home i mean if you're really into prostitution maybe it'd be a good way to you know i don't know it's sort of like foreplay for prostitutes i was in uh Vancouver, and uh, there were some businessmen there, and they had, like, these cocktail tables, like the pole, you know, and these chicks would uh, uh, get up there and dance in front of them and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, this one gal, she she got her uh, female bits a little close to this dude who had mm-hmm. obviously too much to drink. Oh, and, I think uh, I know where this is going. Oh, God. Yeah, and then he uh, ducked underneath the table and... Uh, uh, let it fly and the gal <laughs> so quickly gross. scurried away I, I, and pretty much that was it for me i was like yeah i think i'm out of here i don't oh, think I, i'm yeah. done with all this this just lost whatever appeal it might have had and uh let's move on let's move on to some other uh you know uh 
adolescent Activity. taboo. I might yeah, go have. play some video games, man. They had Fuck. some good. Uh, yeah. They had some good places down there to play video games. I mean, yeah. up there. Uh, so I don't know. Um, so satire. Back to satire. And, yeah, uh, I guess. Girls. I guess we. I guess we sort of played it out a little bit. I mean, is there well, something? I'm, is there something I'm still missing? I from think, your understanding of the appreciation well, uh, of this film, I, I think. Uh, well, like okay, uh, celebrity culture, fame culture in the U.S. Um, you know, this, like I said, was before the reality TV reality show craze and American Idol craze, and looking at those two uh, pop culture phenomena. Uh, and looking at showgirls, there's this weird calorie-free ambition that it seems a lot of people in our culture have about being famous, being on TV, uh, with such a, a deficit of talent to back it up. I mean, Nomi has a little bit of dancing talent, you know, and but the people now... They can't sing. They're like, you know, sing through auto-tune. Uh, well, auto-tune's a way people expect their voices to sound in in pop songs now. Even if you can sing, you get auto-tune just simply because it's an effect that's popular at the moment. And uh, just like almost an entitlement to fame. But the, the, the thing about fame is that fame only can handle a certain uh, volume of traffic, you know. Even with all the internet media outlets that we have these days, uh, there's only so many people that can actually be famous at one time. And the fact that, you know, you're on YouTube or you're on a reality show or you might be a finalist in American Idol or its many various uh, spinoffs is uh, like, what's the point? And what you know, it's weird because like Nomi has this I'm going to dance and be famous kind of drive, but she is such a uh, vapid character. And like all Paul Verhoeven's characters, they're un- completely un you can't relate to them. And so no, and she well, she loves the dance because you can see her when she first sees the volcano dance. Yeah, know, she's so out cheeky. there in the audience, like yeah, doing the hand movements and she's yeah. got a natural talent. I mean, she prepares to be a dancer in an entire review show in one afternoon of training yeah she's good to go yeah just get out there so i mean she must have i mean she must just love dance i'm sure there's people that are like that just like there's musicians who can hear a song once and then basically do a beautiful version of it on their own weeks later just from a, a single one hearing i'm sure and i mean i guess if people are professional dancers a lot of them must have you know, a natural skill that would amaze you if you suddenly were given it. Uh, yeah, I bet I don't. Uh, all right, I I don't know if I'm 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 we're digging at the heart of what I what I trying to t- casting this in sort of a satirical light, and 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 again, it's more of a Paul Verhoeven thing. I I guess I guess, maybe I'm seeing satirizing the idea of fame and the American dream and. The weird attitudes of sex, and uh, I guess I, I just—is it? It's I, not doing anything it, for you. I mean, it's fine. I enjoyed that aspect of the movie. It was fine. I just don't think I'd ever watch it again. Oh, okay. Well, it's not going to be on my top uh, hundred list of movies I've enjoyed. No, no, you know what I mean. Well, and the thing is, is and and I like the idea of getting more familiar with exploitation. I want to do it. 
We should do some more exploitation films. Maybe I'll get at the heart of it and it'll click in my head. But I guess maybe I'm not. Well, I'm not why smart are, enough right now? Well, I mean, why are like Paul Verhoeven movies? And we maybe should have done another Paul Verhoeven before we did this. But I mean, I enjoy Paul Verhoeven movies. Oh, I, I enjoyed much- RoboCop. I really enjoyed Starship Troopers. I guess I like the satire there a little bit more because he's sort of satiring, satirizing the original author who really believed all this stuff about you know violence is the only is the only true you know generator of I don't know. He sort well, of liked that idea of a totalitarian governmental system. The last pairing of Verhoeven and the screen and the screenwriter was it Esther House mm-hmm. uh, was Basic Instinct. And I think, uh, which was a watchable movie, and I don't know what kind of reviews it garnered. Definitely nothing as negative as this. I haven't really ever watched it. It's, um, I guess, watching it, you would say over the top. Uh, it was an over the top film. And, and this uh, is an over the top film. Right. And it was ridiculous on a certain level. Uh, and this is ridiculous on a certain level. Campy. Um, the, you know, the one liners that that you know are leaked out of this this film. movie has one liners in fact i have all sorts of them lined up for yeah. you if you're uh, okay interested. yeah let's let's hit let's hit some drops all right well uh let's see let's see if find a, a good one uh here we go here's here's one right here must be Weird not having anybody come on you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on like that movie i mean come on you would never ever put that in line in a movie that you didn't intend to be you know didn't have a level of satire or or campiness to i mean come on that one's just fucking ridiculous and that's uh that's the old uh strip club manager al torres over over at the cheetah yeah yeah he ends up that's that really weird scene where he's such a hard ass early in the film then he and uh What's her name? His uh, sort of fat comedian woman yeah. comes with him just to visit and say hi and sort of a warm <laughs> scene. And that's how he leaves it. It's like, I'm, I miss you. It must be weird not well, getting come on you. Yeah, that's the, it's just showing the, the, uh, that there is a stratification to douchebags that, you know, uh, there's some lovable, there's douchebags that, like, because he's obviously a much more likable character than the Kyle MacLachlan, Zach character. You well, know? you know, Robert Davi. And you've seen this guy a million times because he's sort of like a pockmarked. Oh, yeah. He's uh, always sort of a like bad, a Mediterranean guy. guy. Yeah. He was also in uh, another one of the films we did. Uh, in Die Hard, he played uh, FBI Special Agent Big Johnson. <laughs> That's right. If you remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and he also has one of the better scenes earlier in the film. And I'm going to play it to you where he right. explains to Penny how to perform a lap dance. Have you ever done a lap dance before? No. Got to talk him into it. Hey, 50 bucks a pop, you take them in the back. Touch and go. They touch, they go. You can touch them, they cannot touch you. That's good. Now, if they come, it's okay. If they take it out, come all over you, call it bouncing. Unless he gives you a big tip. If he gives you a big tip, it's okay. You got that? I think that's, I think that's a really neat scene. I like that. I thought, Just, I thought that was... You know, the thing is, of the movie and all the cappy dialogue yeah i think he's probably the best actor in this entire film oh kyle's pretty good yeah uh, yeah i guess but well his not dialogue, in this role as far as uh, <laughs> just... if there's i guess one reason that sticks out because it seems like a nice well-written well-written piece of dialogue and delivered well by uh, davi 
I just can't I think, imagine. I mean, like this is this is not real. That's not. I guess it's sort of campy, but God, I really believe him. This movie, this movie script was worth two million dollars paid out to John, Joe Esterhaus for this. That's yeah, uh, good work if you can get it. I, and just thinking of him like sitting in uh, a Starbucks, you know, panning this shit out and trying to imagine how it would be delivered. He couldn't have had anything but a smirk on his face as he was typing it. I mean, there's just I no wonder if he way. I wonder if he sat in the back of strip clubs and did some research. Um some of the people's best thinking comes in strip clubs. Did I ever tell you about the uh uh Feynman anecdote I heard from a yeah, Feynman professor like strip clubs, yeah. See? He, he used to interview postdocs uh, in strip clubs and uh he Just to try to phase them or something? Um well, he used to go to strip clubs to paint naked ladies, and he was all friends with the strippers there. And uh, mm-hmm. for those listeners that aren't aware, uh, was it uh, Richard Feynman? Feynman? Go, they, tell, they can go fuck themselves. He was a Caltech um, Nobel it's like, laureate. It's like if you were a, a, a guitarist and you didn't know who Robert Johnson was. Anyway, he's probably one of the greatest physicists of the 20th century, which may not mean anything to you, but uh, as a physics major, it meant quite a bit to me. But anyway, he used to- And he was also a character. And he was also a curious character. Uh, But he, um, and he was fascinated by a few of the girls that could counter-rotate their their pasties and tassels. uh, uh, Oh, one side would go clockwise and the other would go (laughs) counterclockwise? Did he work out the physics to that? Probably. Uh, No, I think he was just uh, more fascinated by the control that it took to uh, perform that particular feat. So, Yeah. uh, Oh, and in in that one clip, we hear... uh, the character of Penny, which comes back later in the film. And she actually, the, the actress Rena Riffle, uh, stars in the sequel to this movie, Showgirls 2, Pennies from Heaven. Where we Are you follow fucking the, serious? We follow the Penny character oh, uh, after her... Uh, it's bullshit. Yeah, it's uh, released in 2011, and it's uh, 2.6 out of 10 on uh, IMDb. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, and they they tell you the last her stripper last name, uh, or her actual name is Penny Slot. <laughs> you know, uh, we you just, we just okay. get the penny in this film. You mentioned that character, and there's a, a great, I guess, giant essay about uh, the satirical merits of um, Showgirls, written by a. Eric Henderson, and it was uh, penned in June fifth on June fifteenth, twenty ten. It's worth checking out, but it's on Slant Magazine. Just just Google it. And he actually mentions that character in mm-hmm. uh, his discussion here. And I got to find it again. Um, Rena Reffel was that her name? Yeah, Riffle. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Uh, hold on a second while I find it. Okay. Uh, when Rena Riffle, Riffle, so good-natured and winningly ditzy as the cheetah's new girl Penny, showed up in David Lynch's La La Land masterpiece of female martyrdom, martyrdom Mulholland Drive, it was oh, almost yeah. as heartbreaking to see her portray a strung-out, worn-out shell of used sex appeal, the logical outcome of Penny's character arc. And Lynch seemed to cunningly use her iconic... Iconic, well, I can't pronounce it, iconography? Yes, to channel some of Elizabeth Berkeley mystique. So Yeah, you certainly get that, and you especially know how she's basically, at the end, she's hooked up with James, the black guy, and how he sort of abuses her. So she's already found herself into a pregnant and an, abu- an abusive relationship. <laughs> uh, there's know, another uh, little... Big things are ahead for her. Then there's another little note about the, the Berkeley mystique, uh, Elizabeth Berkeley mystique, that Berkeley's career had to 
make that needed to fail in order to lay the groundwork for showgirl showgirls to be reborn as a camp classic is undoubtedly one of the most damning pieces of evidence in the case for holding the film's subsequent audience in contempt (laughs) oh really i mean i guess i mean you might as well condemn all of humankind if you're going to condemn the audience for that uh you know i wonder who her agent was that thought uh this was her um uh, this is where this is where starlets end up it's not where their careers are begun that is for sure uh, uh maybe i uh, maybe i don't know i don't think you really know what the vicissitudes of life will uh do to your career and i guess it didn't work for her or maybe she wasn't that good of an actor in the first place she's a terrible That's actor especially in showgirls she uh she wow. kind of plays that sort of uh oh she kind of reminded me some of the characters in Starship Troopers that Verhoeven likes mm. these kind of plastic oh mannequins uh, yeah mannequins automatons you know like Denise Richards Richards was like as believable as a uh, Starship pilot as Elizabeth Berkeley you know yeah. is a uh, uh, sort of oh I believe Elizabeth Berkeley could uh, could crank my Johnson pretty good in a lap dance <laughs> I'll be honest with you um, so uh, I had a question this movie has a lot of weird moments. Yeah, I, really I pick in, I've picked the weirdest scene that I can think of in the film, and maybe you can give us some thought. I'll, I'll play you uh, just a little bit of a clip from the weirdest scene. Okay. <laughs> mommy, can we see the monkeys? Not now, honey. They're busy. Please, Mommy, they're so cute. Well, can we see them, Mommy? They have to work, sweetheart. What are they doing, Mommy? They're getting ready for the, the show. I want to see the monkeys. Not now. I can't wait see the monkeys. I can't wait. Will you get these fucking kids out of here? You said the F word. You said the F word. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> it's so sad. I mean, I guess you think it that's the up, weirdest. That is a weird scene. I mean, there's it's got monkeys, loose monkeys, monkeys no less. Yeah, monkeys are awesome. uh, oh no, I think they're actually in a cage this time. They're loose earlier in the film. And it's got two everywhere. children in the backstage of a Topos review where everybody's walking around nude. And it, it sets up, I guess it's the first setup for the fight between the two strippers that's important uh, in the latter part of the film, between the two underling strippers, as they uh, they sort of fight each other. I, th- I thought that was a, I thought it was very strange. You know what I thought was the strangest yeah. like piece of the film? I mean, there's many, but it was the uh, Molly, uh, the, the Molly uh, Nomi uh, where they meet scene. Which is just so fucking bizarre, and uh, like the motivations for Molly to even bother with this crazy bitch. Are oh, because she's me. beating up his her car. Yeah, well, and then she like is like eating and like squirting ketchup and like throwing her fries. Oh, around. she's pouting, yeah. and then she like pukes out in the street. And then there's that weird, like, you know, that weird moment of tenderness where Molly holds uh, Nomi, and like there's that kind of soft pause of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just fucking weird. It is. It is. A, the motivations are a little strange for some of the characters. I guess. Uh, was that intentional? I don't that know. Was, they had the weird beginning to the. Re- I mean, they they have a what seems like a genuine friendship as the movie goes on, yeah, which is weird. fine, which is believable. But that setup is a little strange. That's really fucking. Weird. I mean, Elizabeth Berkeley goes far to ask the Molly character if she's hitting on her, which you sort of have a feeling for that maybe that is the case. But uh, we find out that's not the case, and they just have a true friendship as far as how it's displayed in the film. 
So uh, the Deuce X rape scene at the end, which just pivots this film oh, on such a weird Jesus angle. That, uh, I remember that being the biggest complaint leaving the theater, and everybody was pissed off about it. But in, in, Oh, it's gruesome, man. <laughs> I mean, it was gruesome. I can't imagine what it must be for, especially if you had been raped before to watch that scene. In it was just the, terrible. Well, and, and there's absolutely no... Uh, what's the right word? Um, it just gets right to it. Well, it's right it's, down to I business. Would say it's, it's probably one. I mean, of the he has her panties off, and that big white guy's fucking her in about uh, like two seconds flat. It's disgusting. It, it, it's it seemed to me watching it as being one of the more irresponsible rape scenes ever, 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 ever. Plus, he's beating the shit out of her. He like punches her right in the schnoz over and over again. I don't know. Maybe some guys get off on that. I guess that's what that character's supposed to be. He loves beating women up and having his bodyguards rape him. Um, I don't know. It just seemed really weird. I don't see why the movie needed that. It seems like there was enough conflict going on already between the two top dancers. Well, and and does it destroy like uh, the veneer of camp and satire that may have been intended, uh, or is it, or does it enforce it, it? I don't know. I don't see why rape can't be a part of the exploitation genre. It seems like it almost should be. It a is key, a core uh, pillar of exploitation, and maybe that's something you just. You got to learn to appreciate. Well, okay, so so you get you know and the like resolution said, to the rape. Oh, it's worse. Outrageous. It's, well, it's like worse. It's fucking, than outra- it's fucking outrageous. The resolution's <laughs> terrible, and the movie almost makes you feel like you should feel good about it. That no, we really got justice at the end. I th- and I think that's part it's just unbelievable. It's just amazingly well, un- and I confusing. think that that's you know that that's the 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 conclusion you draw, but but. Uh, well, what's the conclusion you draw? <laughs> that there's no justice, or that that justice actually is served because she kicks the shit out of him, and that's that's really that's tit for tat as far as uh, putting somebody in the hospital with vaginal tears and concussions. Well, well but but um, is that okay? And and this is where the satire tends to muddy itself because we always think of satire as being sort of uh, a little uh, you know humorous in nature. And not necessarily cold and biting, because we usually view our satire in the form of uh, uh, comedy, you know, like Stephen Colbert, one of those many other films. Um, Well, like American Psycho. American Psycho is an excellent satire. And uh, the way that it, you know, um, sort of encases like American ambition in the form of a psychopath and all their perversions in this, you know, in the one Christian Bale character. Um, and there's some pretty fucking terrible scenes in that movie, but that movie is a satire. You know, you have him cutting up hookers and uh, putting them in the hospital and, you know, but you don't really, them. does it? Yeah, but it doesn't really, in that movie, you don't really know what exactly is truth and what's psychosis. So it's sort of a, frees you up a little bit well but it is a satire at its heart you know and uh but just looking at looking at molly's face after the rave is oh god she looks like uh what's that what's the actress that was beat up by uh that one rapper a while ago and they're back oh together? yeah i don't follow that news but um oh chris brown and was it rihanna or something yeah rihanna like he beat the shit out of her and there the picture was leaked with her looking a lot like molly and right. then after he did a, a few months of probation, they're back together. Yeah, see, I mean, mind-boggling. 
Okay. Maybe she'll get maybe she'll get raped again. Maybe Molly will get raped again. We got that to look forward to. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I maybe we don't have time to to sort of dissect that that satire. Other yeah, than I, I think I found it, I found it disturbing, and I'm not necessarily very squeamish. Well, I think that it, it seemed irresponsible, but was it really in sort of if if you were to sort of couch this movie as a satire, you know, is it more uh, of an indictment? I guess of of the, you know the way that Americans view revenge and justice. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm making too much uh, of it. Whatever. I don't know. I guess the revenge sort of reminds me a little bit of a movie that was made after this as an homage to exploitation, uh, Death Proof, where uh, all the women beat up on the one uh, serial yeah. killer race car driver at the end. Uh, yeah. Which I guess. Maybe this ending is an homage to an earlier exploitation film. I don't know if it was homage in this film, but I, I just uh, I, I I think you watch that scene, you say like, that's the most irresponsible rape justice scene I've ever I've ever yeah, watched. That could that the justice on that rape couldn't have been handled more poorly by everybody. But in if if satire deals in in sort of extremes and exaggerations, is it still? I mean, if you view the whole film as a satire, is it still not? You know par for the course i guess i don't know i don't know if i'm i don't think i'm far enough down the path of enjoying exploitation to enjoy that rape and revenge (laughs) sort of diptych at the end of this film all right oh one other thing i want to mention before we move on to ebert is that there's another uh tie-in uh sequel uh i can't believe there's a there's a showgirls too that's fucking unbelievable elizabeth berkeley what happened uh, who to her? plays our title who plays our main character Nomi yep. is actually in a sequel to Donnie Darko called S Darko which came out a few no years ago where she plays one of the supporting casts <laughs> so we might have to see it to see Elizabeth Berkeley maybe she takes her top off uh, I think I'm done with Elizabeth Berkeley I think I'm uh, I'm just gonna bury her uh, career in my backyard and, all right well let's wrap this up and uh, see what Ebert has to say <laughs> Well, Ebert reviewed this back in 95 when the film came out, uh, gave it two stars, which I guess is a 50%. So I guess he didn't like it. Uh, And he certainly didn't seem to like it too much. It seemed like more of a one and a half star review. He says, uh, a sleaze fest like Showgirls promises the inside dope on Las Vegas, stripping, hooking, and all that stuff. What Showgirls delivers, however, seems basically to be Joe Esterhaus's masturbatory fantasies. The C screenplay is a fevered product of very limited imag- of a very limited imagination, brought to a high gloss in a slick, expensive soap opera. I think that's a, I think that's a nice summation. Yeah, yeah. He certainly doesn't seem to like the screenplay. Well, and okay, go ahead. Uh, what Esterhaus? He says one other thing about Esterhaus. What Esterhaus? What seems to turn Esterhaus on are images of women with knives, lesbianism, sex for cash. <laughs> And violence. That's all like exploitation stuff right there. That's all all that shit. Yeah, the switchblade. He does go to talk about what you mentioned uh, at length, uh, that it's basically the movie is all about Eve with some new touches. The star doesn't break a leg, but gets a compound hip fracture. (laughs) And is is philosophical about her fate because her lawyers negotiated a big settlement. Another weird turn near the end of the film. Where uh, yeah. uh, Crystal doesn't really care that uh, she got pushed down the stairs. Yeah, no, like. she's fine with that. Yeah, cool. I, I, she's uh, 
a couple of days in bed at the hospital <laughs> interaction. She's yeah. a, she's a really come to it. He does say that um, Elizabeth Berkeley has a fierce energy that's always interesting. He seemed to enjoy her portrayal, and he talks about the two f- friends she makes. Uh, one being are that they're both gentle Vegas friends and that they're African American. I guess he <laughs> he must be obviously talking about Molly and also talking about the other guy who. Right. Uh, is really just trying to mack on her. I don't. I don't see how he was really being. Oh man, no. He's all about the art and the dance, and that's why he makes his living in Vegas and not. No, he even says it. He's got a problem with pussy, and he always will. <laughs> Remember that line? Oh, he doesn't. Jesus Christ! All right. Uh, all right. I guess so. But uh, see here. Uh, he says the movie is trash. Yes, but not boring. He says sometimes it's hilarious, as when the dancer writhes groaning on the stage, a choreographer grabs her knee and squeezes. She screams, it's her knee. Uh, she screams, and it's her knee, he concludes. I guess that's <laughs> funny. I don't know. I don't know, whatever. And he says all the women are terrific dancers, and they are. There's some hell. There's some great choreography uh, in this film. Yeah. Again, really, dance doesn't really, do anything for me. So It doesn't do anything for me, but I'm, the athleticism was uh, uh, pretty impressive. Um he says the film is not, in short, quite unredeemingly bad. And despite its NC-17 rating, it isn't anywhere near as perverted as Basic Instinct. He says, in conclusion, Showgirls is such a waste of a perfectly good NC-17 yeah. rating. And I, and I think that, that. that seems like his biggest, probably his biggest complaint, because he was all really excited about the NC-17 rating when it first came out, because he thought it was a way to, um, you know... Uh, a 3D, con- un- 3D conversion re-release of Beyond the Valley of the, oh, the Dolls. God. Yeah, because his Beyond the Valley of the Dolls has a lot of uh, similarities to uh, Showgirls and sort of the exploitation um, caricatures uh, and its treatments of uh, sex and drugs and violence. <laughs> so... Um, the NC-17 rating, yeah, I think his, yeah, he was like, they're like silver bullets, and they're sort of a means, he thought, by a director to make uncompromising films and not suffer an X rating uh, and actually get distribution for it. And I, there has been some NC-17 films that I've enjoyed. Uh, I don't know. Did you ever see uh, Bernardo Bertolucci's The Dreamers? No, I never did. Uh, pretty good. It's a good film. Um, Does it have some explicit sex in it or something? Uh, Ava Green's naked in a lot, and who doesn't like that? But uh, no, there's, yeah, there's some, it's obviously has some explicit sex in it. No violence. Hmm. Um, and and then a recent movie, actually, I watched uh, called Shame. And mm. That's got a Fassbender in it, doesn't it? Yeah. Or he's got a big dick. Kelly McDonald is it Kelly? Not Kelly McDonald. Oh, mm, shit! No. What's I didn't name? see it. I just heard that he had. He's got his wang out in that movie. It's good, and he, it, he's pulling a lot of tail too. Well, he's he's a sex addict, and uh, at the end it gets a little bit. Um, it kind of gets a little bit ridiculous, but it's it's a mm. good movie. I, mm. I, I I enjoyed it. It had a nice look to it. Um, sort of an interesting character portrayal. And when you're a sex addict, I'll just say this much: it helps to be really good looking. I'll tell you. <laughs> it saves you a lot of money. <laughs> when you're an ugly, dopey sex addict, it's yeah. it's the shits. I'll tell you that much. Um, I had one final question for you. Um, how did Rose like this film? She didn't watch it. Didn't <laughs> 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 oh, it's yeah. too bad. 
Um, there's a, okay, a few other anecdotes. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin. Um, <laughs> God, he was built. He, put, I, he was yeah. lifting some weights. I thought he looked really good in this yeah, movie. Yeah, man. That dude, he, has, he had one nice. He had lost some weight, him. too. He was, uh, he was, he was, he had got his, uh, you can tell he really worked out to look good in this film. I think he took that nude scene pretty seriously. I'm just, like, I, 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 I you know, I, I, Kyle McLaughlin has a sense of humor. Uh, have you watched those Portlandia episodes recently? Any of the recent Portlandia where he plays no, the mayor no, of Portland? I, no, I haven't. Um, <laughs> I haven't watched Portlandia. <laughs> well, he, I guess, like Lynch worked with him well, and uh, I guess he was he was kind of an asshole, and I don't know if that came from some sort of perfectionism or whatever. But uh, why he would pick up this script and go, <laughs> I want to play that Zach character. I, it just. You know, because he plays that douchey character so well that, uh, and he is a real douche. Like when he <laughs> chews out the, uh, like one of the underling managers there, uh, because he tried to pimp out Elizabeth Berkeley's character. And it's all just a show you figured out. At the yeah. End. He right. calls him back upstairs. You dumbass, get back up here. <laughs> um, and then he's driving around in a, in a Ferrari 348. Uh, which yeah. is funny because I was at work and some I was out in the parking lot and some uh, some guy pulls up uh, in a Ferrari 348 and uh, picks up some date for work and you know, trying to make a splash and all that kind of thing you know some some middle aged guy with a 348 and you know whatever and Can't uh, hurt and and anyway and so he like rips out of there and everybody's ogling the Ferrari and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a 348. That's an older, that's like a mid nineties or early nineties, uh, Ferrari. And so I, I go online and I look for, uh, you know, ads for how much a 348 costs. You can get, uh, rebuilt, uh, Ferrari 348 for $37,000. Hmm. Well, maybe I'll have to get one. Didn't seem but like the upkeep much isn't money. terrible. I mean, oh man, you probably have to have the fucker in the shop every two months. Well, yeah. See, there's that. You wouldn't drive it that much. Oh, just imagine how run. much parts will be. Holy fucking shit! But it, three thirty-seven thousand dollars. That's like as much as like a like a fucking SUV. Uh, I'll just go one. to the strip club. Yeah, that's a, it's a little bit interesting. And and his office had wood paneling all over it. That was another thing I thought was funny. Yeah, the digs weren't that great in the no. Stardust, but you always get the feeling of sort of low rent. Even though there's a lot of money being made, I think a lot of that money just lines the pockets of the investors. Is Stardust and, even around anymore, or did they implode it? I thought it got. I don't know. I wonder if Cheetahs is still around. Is that was that a strip club too? I don't know. Oh, all right, all right. Well, maybe I didn't get to the heart of the satirical element of Showgirls. I was trying to redeem it a little bit, but no. Uh, I think I think he did a good job. I think he made a good argument, and I think that we're going to need to revisit exploitation in the future and maybe try to get at the heart of what what is exploitation and why it should be appreciated there's a few lines in the film that uh i guess are are memorable one-liners uh one was you're gonna have to sell it sometime remember that line? yeah 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 that guy tells her right at the beginning yeah. yeah and then another one it was everybody in america is a gynecologist oh yeah the japanese one though god i didn't listen to the japanese really carefully but i'm pretty sure they didn't say that <laughs> i thought that was an interesting line for what it was worth. yeah yeah, yeah. sort of yeah sort of that they had that one real sleazy manager character in there all right well okay we're, well so next week uh we're actually going to move away from the topic of sex for the first time in a oh thank of weeks. god 
Uh, we're going to be uh, looking at a foreign film from 2001 uh, called Intacto. Um, it has sort of a, a premise I think you'll appreciate, uh, which is uh, the idea that if luck was a commodity that could be transferred and bought and sold, uh, what might be some of the outcomes of that? And it's uh, directed by Juan Carlos Fresnadillo and uh, generally well-received. And uh, it's a newer film, but I think it certainly uh, sort of reminds me of maybe new weird okay. fiction a little bit, but set in uh, uh, the real world. So it has some paranormal elements or some fantasy elements? I just like how, I like, how, I like how it deals with it. it. It deals with it in a strangely mundane way. Really? As, as if anything that did exist would exist. Anyways, I think, I think you might enjoy it. It's, it's, not, it's, uh, it's under two hours, and I think it would be a good palate cleanser to get us uh, okay. moving away from sexuality. <laughs> well, yeah, at least uh, the past two films. How about yeah. that? Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. Well, I think well. that's enough for right now. Uh, I want to okay. put my dick back in my pants and uh, <laughs> move All on. right, man. Uh, until next week, folks. It's all right. I've got towels. <laughs>